We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, it is 1.31 Eastern Time. We're going to give everyone a few minutes to roll in while um, while we wait. Andrew, you can, uh, you can cut everything until I say go. It's probably be... Actually, what I'll do, Andrew, is I'll probably start around the four-minute mark. Uh, we're just gonna let everyone we're just gonna let everyone roll in, including my co-host, and then we can get cracking. Rude Rojo, what up, Big Nas? What up? Uh, just talk a little Knicks on a on a Tuesday afternoon. I just got into a bit of a back and forth with some people about tanking. I'm tired of the tanking discussion. Like. I understand the merits of tanking, but this front office ain't going to do it. So just let it go. Like, what are we going to do? I don't know. So, well, you know what? In the meantime, I will tell y'all to a story while we wait for the room to fill up. So, Black Friday. Actually, Andrew, you can keep this part. Black Friday, I went to the bar to watch... uh, soccer uh usa england and went to this bar in harlem and the next night i felt like i had a little bit of a cold and the cold got progressively worse sunday to monday to tuesday tuesday was like really bad and i went and i I took a covid test and the covid test said negative I got the results back on, actually, I took the COVID test on, I took a test on Sunday, took a test on, and I took uh, two tests on Tuesday. But I was like, something's not right. So, not you know, no, that's, that, I'll back up. So, I took the COVID, so I took a COVID test on Sunday at my house, it was negative. I took another COVID test on Tuesday, it was negative. Uh, so I was like, I, I got a cold, and my cold got better and better. I ninety five bully, what up, yo? I saw your video, yo. That that um, 
that that you lost to beat that you lost a bet to Rells. Like, uh, bro, I've you are a better man than me. See, I I will never agree to any bet where if I lose, I gotta say some wild shit like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, bro. Uh, so yeah, I'm just telling a story while people roll in. Um, so where were we? Uh, yeah, so. So I was just taking, you know, NyQuil, DayQuil, whatever. Wednesday, I feel better. Thursday, I feel better. Friday, I feel even better. And then I go to Vegas. I go to Vegas for the weekend with my boys. Uh, and I'm pretty fu- – I'm fine. Come back Monday, I feel like I have a little cough. I'm like, all right, maybe it's the same cough. Cough is lingering Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go take a test, and I go and I take a test, and I then I go to one of those little booths that's on the corner, and get the test results back last Friday, and it says you don't have COVID, and they also tested me for RSV, which I didn't know. It was like, all right, you don't got RSV, and then they tested me for the flu, and they're like, you got the flu, and I was like, and I was like, holy shit, I got the damn flu. So I basically have been living in my basement for the past two weeks because I didn't want to get anybody sick because I didn't think I I didn't know if I had COVID and then I had COVID and no, I didn't think I had COVID. I found out I didn't, but then I found out I had the flu and I found out I had the flu and yeah. So I said to say there's some shit going around, uh, flu, RSV, like all that shit, but like, so just be careful. You know, you may want to consider masking up in certain situations. I'm actually going to try like to not go out for the next two weeks because I missed Christmas last year because I caught Omicron on that weekend where everyone in New York City caught it, and I couldn't celebrate Christmas with my family. So this year, like, I am not fucking around. And Chris, for some reason, I'm trying to bring you up. Um, hold on a second, but it's not. Br- hold on a second. Uh, let's do this. No, yeah, I sent you an it. Yeah, I sent you an it. Cancel and come back. Oh, there we go. How about right. now? Yes, there you go. What's up, man? How we doing? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Now I'm just telling the story of how I got the flu. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. Um, so I feel much better now. I'll probably take. So I'll probably take another test because now these booths on the corner in in the city they test you for a flu and RSV and COVID at the same damn time. Um, I mean, it's just a it's just a scheme to run up insurance, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my deal. Uh, shout out to JP, shout out to CT Pittman, Nick Nader, I ninety five Bully. I saw you earlier. Mark Swift. Uh, who else is here? Uh, Lee Game and Blown Headlight. Welcome. And with uh, Jeremy E's here. Welcome. All right, let's get started. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to uh, KFS Study Hall. My name is Sean with a W. Uh, apologies for not coming to you on Saturday, last Saturday morning at 11 a.m. because I was in Vegas. So I would have to do that show at 8 a.m. And I tried, I did an 8 a.m. West Coast time study hall when I was in L.A. the week before Thanksgiving. And that was a struggle. So I said, I'm not trying this again. And a good thing I didn't. Um, so we're here today. Going forward, we should be back every Saturday at 11 a.m. until football season ends. Then we'll probably move to Sunday. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Chris Persiani. Chris, how the hell are you? Um, Still in finals. So, yeah. 
Um, I have, I just, I've got a lot going on. So, you know, it's, I, I guess um, this next team playing well makes things a little easier uh, on that end, but it's still a lot of schoolwork. Um, got, got two final projects and a final exam left and then I'm done for the semester. But that list was much longer last study hall. So this last week was pretty rough. Um, finally yesterday I took a day where I like did nothing all day, like nothing productive in regards to schoolwork at all. I just needed that so bad. I played so much Madden. Um, it was such a healing experience because <laughs> I hadn't touched my Xbox in like two weeks before that. Uh, but yeah, no, we're we're managing, we're making it through, um, and and we got a a rolling Knicks team to talk about. So I'll take it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So the Knicks. So since the last time we spoke was Saturday before last, I believe. And that was the and Saturday before last, that was against the we had just I think we had just lost to Memphis. Yes. We had just lost to Memphis. And there was and at that point we were nine and eleven. And we lost a heart we lost a heartbreaker to the Grizzlies at home. Actually was that no 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 that's not true. We last we last had a show on the twenty sixth, uh, which was oh that was the it was the uh, the Portland game that was the one we lost to Portland, and there are a lot of questions about what uh, what would transpire. And then since then, the Knicks lost to Memphis, and then and I just had this damn thing right here. Where is it? All right, so since we last spoke, they 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 lost to Memphis, they beat Detroit, they lost to Milwaukee in a nail-biter, and then they lost to Dallas on a Saturday afternoon that everyone that, that after that everyone thought that Tibbs was on thin ice. And after that game, Tibbs decided to go to a nine-man rotation. He removes he who shall not be named from the rotation. I'll say his name one time for everyone knows. Um Cam Reddish, uh, excuse me, future Hall of Famer Cam Reddish was removed from the rotation and the Knicks have not lost since. Um, so we're going to take five minutes, and I mean five minutes, to discuss the last the last six games. So, Chris, five minutes What'd you see in the last what'd you see in those two losses to Milwaukee and Dallas? And what have you seen in the four wins? Huh. Um I thought the loss to Dallas was bad. Uh I I thought we talked about that third quarter of Doom um against Dallas and and uh, uh you, you know that that was just not exactly it, it, it was a wake-up call to an extent, if you want to say that, because um, th- th- they just played so dead, and it, it felt, again, like coming out of halftime, the team was lost. Um, I was pretty sure we had a show th- after their game against Cleveland. Uh, That's right. We did have a show. We had. Yeah, you're right. That was last. It was last Tuesday. See, my my head is my. We we had a show 
last Tuesday. Yes, we did. So, um, you know, with, with that uh, being, I guess, the, the time mark, Mm-hmm. Um, be, you know, being the the I, I will we could do the the Cleveland game again, Redux. No, so let's just do the so so. You thank you for, thank you for holding me accountable, and that's why I that's why you're here because I'm old. <laughs> so the, so since we had a show, we won our last three games. What have you seen in the last? What have you seen? Let's so, let's talk about the last. So three Atlanta, games. Charlotte, Sacramento. Yes. All right. There we go. So um, Atlanta, man, uh, it's not exactly the cleanest game to like take real takeaways from. The reason I say that, DeJounte Murray goes down pretty early. Um, Collins out. I'm pretty sure they're holding him out until they can trade him in literally two days. I don't know if he's traded right away, but you know some different teams have been interested. Uh, they might shake things up in Atlanta. So you know, again, not sure that. This is a game you want to, you know, write down what happened in every minute of and take notes in it. But it was a game where a good team would come in against an Atlanta team that's struggling in the locker room. That oh, that stinks. Kyler Murray towards ACL. Um, an Atlanta team that's clearly struggling in the locker room that missed Dejounte Murray after, you know, four minutes of play from him. He scored two points and then was out for the game. Uh, they took care of business. That's what, that's what good teams do. Um, I, I tweeted out after the win against Cleveland, the win against Atlanta, where Deuce McBride, you know, was really helping the defense. Uh, Emmanuel quickly, also him, you know, quickly and McBride looked really great defensively as a, as a pair. Uh, also with Grimes, you know, playing really well. Randall playing well offensively, um, at least enough where his you know defense that was bad up until like the last week. Uh, was not the end of the world. Um, RJ pulling things together. Like, th- this team was playing well, but I was like, you know, now they play Charlotte. Charlotte's definitely not good. The the Knicks that a lot of people know would go on the road in Charlotte and, and lose that game to, like, Kelly Oubre putting up, like, 35. Um, so the test was, you know, is this a good Knicks team? Or are they a decent one at least? You know, will they go in? Make this a three-game win streak and, and get the win against Charlotte. They did. Took care of business. Again, 20 uh, nine, there was a 19-point win against them. It was an even bigger win against Atlanta. Again, missing Murray, but 24-point win against Atlanta. And then you get the Kings, uh, who I liked to win when I thought they had De'Aaron Fox. They didn't have De'Aaron Fox. Then I liked the Knicks to win. Uh, they, they won by 13. You know, so... Right, yeah. So you know, the team continues to take care of business. Uh, again, getting a lot of favorable matchups like uh, the Hawks without Murray for most of the game, the Hornets without Ball, the Kings without Fox. Like we're we're, we're not playing star guards like that should be playing like every game. But uh, I think the notion that you can't count anything from these wins like at all is kind of nuts. Like. The Hornets were not going to be good whether they had LaMelo Ball or not. Maybe they lose by nine instead of 19, you know? The, the, the Sacramento Kings, was De'Aaron Fox's notably bad, or rather notoriously bad defense that's been, like, okay this year going to stop Julius Randle from going supernova before he got himself ejected? And, and then RJ actually did a good job of taking over. Like, 
I, I don't know if Fox was going to stop that. So for me, I think there's a lot of positive things uh, you can take away from these games if you're in the Knicks. You got to like what you saw from Randall from the most part, not uh, with the ejection, but you know, you, you got to like his answer about it. Now you just need him to actually act on that. He had been throughout the season to an extent thus far. So, you know, want to want to see that uh, trend continue to trend as opposed to regress, which he noted. I think he said relapse, which was nuts, but whatever. Um, I think I think there's a lot for the Knicks to take away that that, that could be good here. You know, they barely out rebounded the Hornets. Not great. Um, they still won by a lot. They definitely out rebounded the Kings. They struggled with rebounding, but the Knicks got a lot of rebounds. Fifty five that game. Uh, they're kind of fighting their bread and butter. You know, Mitchell Robinson available uh, consistently uh, recently. Uh, he's holding down the boards. They got Brunson holding down the playmaking. Brunson and Randall and Barrett holding down the scoring. Like things are falling into place, and they have Deuce to hold down point of attack defense and Grimes to be a shooter and make some plays on the side and attack closeouts and quickly to be the playmaker off the bench. And now Obi's out, but his role was even if it was not maybe optimal in a lot of people's opinions for his skill set was at least consistent at this point. You know, like these young guys haven't exactly had consistent roles in their time here. Uh, finally having consistent roles, you're seeing things really fall into place for uh, this team. I think these next games against Chicago, uh, you know, they play them three times in the next 10 days. Uh, but two of them are in the next three or four days. So uh, I think these next two games against Chicago are going to be interesting. Uh, but, you know, to, to keep it to these last couple games, a lot of good things to take away. Uh, so it's funny you say a lot of good things to take away because, um, as you see, I changed the um, – <clears throat> I, I, I modified the title of the space. It was Are the Knicks Good? And I modified it to Are the Knicks Good and Does It Matter? And I said it because, uh, you know, there's the there's a strong section of the fan base that believes that this team should tank, and that's the only way this team will ever get good is if they tank. Uh, I had a lively back and forth for a number of people on Hoop Spaces, the Hoop Spaces show today, uh, including Rayology, who's down there. Shout out to you, uh, including Deej, um, who's not in here, but shout out to him. And my pushback was, I understand that tanking isn't, the NBA has given teams an incentive to tank. So to completely dismiss tanking would be short-sighted. My pushback is people who act as if, and I'm not saying that reality is saying this, but there are people who act like this, who say that the, unless we're tanking, none of this shit matters. Uh, because we don't have a we don't have a superstar on the team, which is true. Some people say we don't have a number two on this team. Some people believe we do. Some people believe we don't. I'll leave that up. To, I'll leave that to. I'll leave that up to you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to argue that. But because we don't have a superstar, and you need a superstar to win, to win a championship, or at least compete for a championship, this is all for naught. So the question I have for you. Uh, Chris, and then we'll probably over to the audience. I'll do a couple of things over to the audience is that um, I'm not going to ask you whether you're pro or against tanking, but can any good come out of this season 
where the Knicks are very likely going to finish between 6th and 10th in the Eastern Conference. And then we'll go to the callers. Uh, I, I don't know if this is like sassy of me to start off with, but the fact that that's a question is just like why this market is hilarious. Um, I love the New York sports market uh, with my whole heart. I think it's very passionate. I think it's an awesome thing to be a part of. Um, but the fact that a team that's currently 14 and 13 in a year where Vegas expected them to go under 500, a lot of fans said they would go about 500. I put out a poll before the season. Hey, what can we reasonably expect from the talent on this Knicks team so that as you know, analysts we can set a baseline expectation for Thibodeau? Poll got several thousand votes. A lot of people said it's a 500 basketball team. And they're playing like a 500 basketball team. It's just, you know, maybe a couple games better than expected. Obviously, maybe that can regress. Maybe it won't. Maybe with the new rotation, whatever. The point is, is that like for me, for a team to, you know, as we've talked about consistently, just be playing as you and I expected, as several people out there that are smarter than us expected, as a lot of the fan base, a lot of which is smarter than us expected, um, you know, it's just like I, I think the question of is there any good to take? Like the, the Pacers are fourteen and fourteen; they've got a lot of good to take from their season. The Magic are eight and twenty; I think they've got a lot of good to take from their season. Like, you know, I, it's just all about what you were expecting, and if you're performing to your expectations, Pacers probably above expectations. But you, you, you get what I mean. Like the Knicks, the point of the Knicks right now is to just be building their asset base accruing draft picks that aren't their own so that they can trade them and not get involved with the Stepien rule until much later down the road uh, to develop young talent that they have or to acquire more young talent or to put themselves in positions, uh, you know, to get young talent down the line. Uh, whatever it is, like, you look at the rotation right now. You start with the starters. You've got Brunson, just signed him. All right, well. Something you can, he's looking pretty good. I think that's something good to take is that the Brunson signing is looking like a signing that's not only like for the front office's sake going to return value, but on the court, he's a player that can make other people better. Uh, And I think that's really valuable for a team to have, especially for a team like the Knicks that, you know, is kind of infamous for not having had a solution to their point guard woes for a long time now. Um, So I think Jalen Brunson is definitely a good thing to take away from the season. I would say Quentin Grimes. Uh, on both ends of the court, Emmanuel quickly on both ends of the court. His uh, quickly's improvements inside the arc offensively, uh, just how good he continues to be defensively, but he seems to be better this season on the ball. He's always been pretty good off the ball. On the ball, he seems better this season at, at staying in front of guys uh, and not getting you know bumped past them. I think you can credit that to him bulking up over the offseason. Uh, I, I don't think it's some like crazy development, outlier development, but there's a lot of good things to take away from the young core. There's also bad things to take away from the young core, but that's how everything goes, right? Like Deuce McBride is, has not blossomed as like an offensive stud. However, he looks so good on defense that it's still worth playing him and seeing what you've got in him. I think that's a good thing. Uh, continue to see what you have, you know, quickly, not a sniper from three this season on any sort of high volume. Like he's not some Anthony Simons level of four threes a game, but He's playing really well inside the arc, and he's finishing at the rim better, added strength. 
the floater isn't his only move there anymore, and, and he's showing that versatility. He's playmaking better than ever in his career. A lot of people were talking about the other day how he's just t- a totally different player than he was as a prospect. Um, and I think the, the the reason for that is because of the playmaking changing uh, for him. Uh, I think RJ has struggled a lot this season, you know, but if uh, something you want to say, like, good to take away from, well, I think he's learned a lot of lessons this year about, you know, uh, how to go about struggling. I think he gave some answers to the media that were taken very poorly. Uh, and then he kind of adjusted and bounced back and is now showing it on the court. So you want to see him do it for a little longer before you say, hey, he bounced back officially, but he's trending upwards. So a lot of good things to take away from this Knicks team. For me, uh, for the Knicks fan base, I I would be, you know, I I think the Knicks fan base should be happy that there's only one player in the rotation that's over 26 years old. Uh, Like we talked about last week, the people that are upset that it was McBride and not Cam Reddish, oh, well, I wanted that young player, not that one. I think that those can be, you know, like champagne problems if you have an entire rotation of young players for the exception of Julius Randle. What's up, Knicks fans? Want to let you in on a little secret. Just because I live in the Big Apple doesn't mean I don't love following all the different NBA storylines. Can the Warriors win another one? Who's the MVP frontrunner? What's Frank Nilakina up to? Following these storylines and watching out-of-market games used to be a big pain because they don't always show the games I want in my area. But this season, I discovered an amazing trick that lets me watch every single NBA game live for a fraction of the normal cost. It's called ExpressVPN, and here's how it works. The NBA offers NBA League Pass, which lets you stream games online. But if you live in the U.S. or Canada, it doesn't let you watch all of them. Some games are blacked out. So what do you do? Fire up ExpressVPN and use it to change your location to a different country. Sign up and use NBA League Pass and boom, no blackouts. And depending on the country, NBA League Pass could cost less than 15 bucks for a whole year. ExpressVPN works on your computer, phone, router, and consoles like Fire TV, so you can watch all the games from any device. And even when I'm not watching hoops, I use ExpressVPN all the time for stuff like Netflix or Disney Plus to access thousands of extra shows that are only available on other countries' libraries. Enjoy all 1,230 games of the NBA season in HD with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Don't hesitate. Use this special link today and get three months free at expressvpn.com slash film school. Then you can use ExpressVPN to sign up for NBA League Pass at a huge discount. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-VPN.com slash film school for three months free. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Nick's Film School. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, the WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to start winning. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? With the bustling holiday season just around the corner, it's the perfect time to plan ahead with Factor, a ready-to-eat meal delivery. They shop, prep, cook, and deliver right to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays minus the hassle. Plus, with 34 meals per week, including Gourmet Plus, Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and more than 36 weekly add-ons, you'll have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. My holidays are jam-packed. Luckily, Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals make it easy to fuel up fast when I'm on the go. Plus, I save time with meals delivered ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. Factor now offers 34 meals per week and more than 36 add-on options, such as smoothies, juices, snacks, and so much more to keep me going no matter what I have going on. Also, Factor is cheaper than dining out. Put the money you save towards holiday fun and you time. And thanks to Factor's commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can enjoy flavorful, chef-crafted meals guilt-free. Need a special occasion? meal gourmet plus is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast upscale options done easy when things get hectic during the holidays factor is flexible change your order up every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week or 
Pause and reschedule your deliveries anytime. Even better, Factor's no prep, no mess meals save me so much time on planning and cleanup so I can enjoy the holidays without wasting hours in the kitchen. Not only does Factor offer fast, simple solutions when I get too busy to cook, they also help me stay on top of my goals. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, I can stay on track. This is definitely going to come in handy during the holidays. Knicks fans, Factor has everything you need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep you energized during frantic holiday times. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool60 and use promo code filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code filmschool60 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box so i agree with you that there are good things we take it from this there are some bad things there is the situation so what i said was and then we'll go to i-95 bully um because someone said the knicks are stuck in purgatory and i said they may be people found out what that means like two years ago and now they just throw it out about everything so (laughs) the knicks but so to me there's being in purgatory and there's being stuck in purgatory. Yeah, being the Knicks in purgatory right now is part are, of yeah. that again. It's it's part of getting on your way up. If you're yeah, not so yes, I that I agree with. Like because even if we tanked and found you know the next freaking Jason Tatum, there would be some purgatory. Like I actually remember there was a season, the Celtics season. Where I think it was like Brad Stevens' first year, and they won, they won like forty something games. I'll look it up, right? And there was a decision of whether they should make the eight seed, they, whether they should be the eight seed, or they should tank and 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 um and tank get a, and get a and get a different lottery and get another lottery pick. And I remember Bill Simmons at the time noticed Celtics fans saying that, like, no, he didn't want to tank. He wanted to get the AC because he wanted him to get the experience. And I remember at the time I even said, like, well, you know, I don't even I don't think that makes sense because you're not winning the title. So why would you like what 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 sense does it make? Right. That was actually 20. Yes, that was actually 2015. And so they made the playoffs. They were the AC. They got swept by the Cavs. They got swept by they got swept by the Cavs. Um, and that team now that team only that team didn't have um, uh, Tatum or Brown on it. It had but it had Marcus Smart, Kelly Olynyk, Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas, Evan Turner, whatever. Right. So that I understand. Um, if you're teetering between like forty and forty two and thirty nine to forty three, like I said all the time last year, the team should tanked like. Once after the after the after the Nets game, where we blew the twenty eight point lead. It should be like, yo, that's it. We're tanking. Um, with that being said, I don't think that like, I I reject the fact the Knicks are stuck in purgatory because the Knicks can because if we define purgatory as like, well, they can't move any of these contracts, they can move all of them. They choose not to, but they can move all of them. Um, they just value value very much, right? Um, so because we're not stuck for me, watching the team be good, isn't the end of the world. Cause like the bulls are stuck. Those motherfuckers are stuck because they're going to have to trade one of their foundational pieces to start it over. 
or two of them. And I think and I think that's what the Lakers are waiting on. But um, I just want to say that uh, let's go to the callers. Uh, like I keep saying calls like it's WFAN. Uh, yeah, so I, I get though. You always you always say like it's a bad thing. Man. No, it's just but they're not calling. It's a it's a but they're, they're not calling on the phone. But then again, they're, I'm they're functionally I'm... functionally they are calling in to the show. Fair, fair enough. So while I was talking before I actually the question, Chris, I saw I ninety five Billy shot up a request. So I was wondering what did I say that made him made him want to come to the stage so quick. So we'll go to I ninety five Bully, and then we'll go to R from Manhattan. I ninety five Bully, what's up? What's going on? Man? What's going on? Man, first of all, man, I, I was really upset that you brought up that video. Um, it has to stay on my profile for a week. So I was I was really upset at that. That's why. You know, I shot up, but um, I, well, I kinda, well, only six people in the room when I told that story. But in the so, well, but the funny thing that. is, now that you said that there's a video, does it be up for now? Everyone in the room is running to your profile to go look at it. So you brought us on yourself, brother. Uh, I, I hope not. But um, yeah, I, I really just had a, a question and a statement, and I kind of want you guys to let me know if if it's fair or foul. So I'm all over the place, but watching that game um, against the Kings, right, the very first quarter, the first three plays the Kings ran, they ran an identical play. They started from the high side of the court, and they ran off-ball screens to the middle, top of the key, and they were getting open looks right there. So I said, oh, this, this is going to be a long game. But um, watching that game, I, I watched it again last night. I said, man, was this the most important Knicks game in the past two years? And my wife said, what are you talking about? You're bugging. They're up by, you know, 15, 20 points. But I said, look at the court. You know, there's five Knicks draft picks on the court in the fourth quarter. And Mitch would have closed out the game if, if he didn't get into foul trouble. And you asked the question, like, is this team good? Is this team bad? Um, for me, I, I really don't think that's a fair question um, because, honestly, it to me, it doesn't matter. You know, we're seeing the kids play. So whether you're your team tank or whether your team, you want to win every game, you're getting exactly what you want. And this isn't really a tankable roster unless you're going to put Seville out there and, and Archie Diacono out there. It's not really a tankable roster. And um, last point I'll make you know, I'm a big Yankees fan, and, you know, Brian Cashman has been catching hell. So I was looking at the way he built the team, right? So since 2016, Brian Cashman has only offered contracts to two rookies uh, or players off of rookie contracts or arbitration. He signed Judge, and he signed Luis Severino. And I said, man. Like, they're, they're doing exactly what us Knicks fans or some Knicks fans want us to do. Like, play the young guys. If they're keepers, you keep them. If not, you let them go. Question I have, is it fair to say that the game against the Kings was the most important game? And um, specifically for, for RJ, um, we know RJ is not, you know, super great. RJ is RJ. I'm not going to upgrade him or downgrade him. He's RJ. But to see him out there on the court, you know, closing the game out. And, yes, they were up by 15 when Julius left the game. But, damn, like that game felt really close. And I'm sitting there, are they going to blow it? 
but I saw them lean on a defensive identity where it almost seemed like they were just punting on offense. They had nothing going on offense. I mean, that fourth quarter, RJ had four points. Mitch had two points. I mean, it, it was it was a gnarly offense. It wasn't a good-looking offense. But to see those guys close out the game, whether they're going to be here or not, was that the most important Nick game in the past two years? And is it hyperbole for me to say that? I don't think it's hyperbolic. It's up there. So, I well, I actually believe that the most important game of the last two seasons, so this season and last, was the Sixer game. Because the Sixer game is where Thibodeau pulled out all the stops. And he made all the adjustments and he made all the tinkerings and things we had never seen before. And I say that one because that was a game where Tibbs slowly, Tibbs stubborn ass, slowly started to realize <clears throat> I just can't keep doing the same thing that I've always done. I do think that this, I do think the Sacramento Kings game is up there. And there's another game. I think it was last, it might have been last season. I can't remember if it was last season or this season. There was another game where we had everyone in the court was all Knicks drafted players. Um, and I was like, wow, I don't, th- I don't think I've ever seen this. I've been rooting for this team 30 years. So I do well, – I'm not going to say – to each his own. So if you say that, I won't argue with you, with you because of the reasons that you stated. Um, in terms of the Yankees, I'm hesitant to compare to the Yankees because the Yankees play in a different sport with a different, with a different uh, compensation structure – Without a hard, without a soft salary cap, where salaries don't have to match, and one player you can't just ride the tails on one guy, what have you, and plus Hal Steinbrenner is cheap. But I see where you, I see where you're coming from. Like you get you play these kids that if they if they and, and they can play great, if they can't, they can't. Um, the last thing I'll say to your point, um, and then I'll see if Chris has anything. But to the respond. idea of it. But just but yeah uh, yeah no the idea of yeah yeah like, like, you, I, like you, I know yeah. it's different but the idea of it of letting your kid absolutely like I said this all the time like <clears throat> if a team picks has a if a team has two players that they pick third and eighth in consecutive drafts at the very least you say like all right let me see what these kids look like together see if I build something around these kids or not and then you know you know and the fact that like our number three and our number eight draft picks from consecutive drafts hardly ever play together, which is a, it's, it's, it's organization. That is organizational malpractice. Um, and that's just it, like, you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. But, and also seeing if these two guys work together. So, uh, Chris, anything you have to say before we move, uh, before we move on? Yeah. I I feel like you covered a lot there that, that I was probably going to get to in one way or another. Um, in my, in my own words, but yeah, I guess I would say that with this game, I, I don't know if I would say it's the most important. I think that that like definition is just hard. But um, if you want to say, I don't know, like most important for the foundation of the team or whatever, like, yeah, I don't think it's hyperbole. I think there is something there. Um, I think this game, this rotation in general, like is conducive to this now with how many you know young players are in it. Um, 
I, I think this game is a great example of you know the, the just what kind of team this team wants to be, um, or slash what kind of team they are. You know, like still having some some drawbacks in some regards, still falling short in a couple different ways. But overall, uh, wanting to play tough, wanting to do this and that. Uh, you know, Obi Toppin out uh, tough, but too. To think that you know the players that are playing were mostly drafted by the team is just uh, it, it feels like whether it was out of spite or desperation or a combination of the two or also maybe a third factor being forced to uh, the, the team's kind of playing like the exact rotation and lineups that the fans have wanted for a while and it, it's going well so I, I don't I, I would never blame anyone who is a Nick fan who would say that, you know, these games are some of the most important for this team uh, that they've played in, in, in a minute. Word, word. I know you bully. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it as always. Uh, <clears throat> next, we have Ari from Manhattan. Ari, the floor is yours. What, what you got for us? Welcome. What's up, what's up? What's up? Thank you for having me. Um, Chris, I think you, I think uh, your, your success of what the Knicks would be before the season, like, you know, acquire assets, you know, said salary, things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm all on board for you uh, with that. Um, you know, tanking, obviously I'm, I'm pro tanking, but tanking's not a, a thing that the coach or the players do. It's what the front office does. And I feel like when they signed Jalen Brunson, they basically said we're not tanking which is why I was against the Jalen Brunson signing to begin with. Um, not because he's not a good player, not because we don't have him at good value. I think that contract is a very good contract. I think he is a very good player. Um, but I didn't. I wanted, I wanted to have a roster that was able to tank in a generational draft where you have potentially two, three draft picks and keep the salary clean. So that was why I was against the Brunson signing. But he is a good player, and I, and I have no problem with that contract. Um, you know, for me, it's more about, you know, with every fucking win, excuse my language, with every win. You, you, can, say, you can say whatever curse word you want. Don't All right, you. perfect. So with that, whatever fucking win, it's one. It's, it's just more likely that not only does Tom Thibodeau and Leon Rose stay, but it's more likely they do a fucking stupid win now move for Zach Levine or some schmuck or some Kyle Kuzma shit. So to your Chicago Bulls point, Sean, you're right. We're not the Chicago Bulls. But on February 15th or whenever that fucking day is, and then we decide to trade OB quickly, Cam, whatever, three picks, Zach Levine, then all of a sudden we are the fucking Chicago Bulls. And then we have 93% of our cap space tied into RJ, Brunson, Zach Levine, or whoever that, that star is, Mitchell Robinson and Randall, right? So I'm of the belief that these wins, like if, if the front, listen, if we had a different front office that was more transparent and they were like, listen, we're prioritizing development and rebuilding no matter what, we're not going to make any win now moves at the deadline. I'd be all for winning as many games as possible. I don't give a fuck then. You know what I mean? The only reason I don't want to win games is because I don't want them to do a stupid fucking move and mortgage the future. Like literally every single GM has done in the past 20 years is make a premature win-now move, right? So with Tom Thibodeau and Leon Rose as your fucking, you know, as your guys, the only way that you prevent that from happening is losing games. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. 
you know, my number one priority would be to trade Julius Randle. And the beautiful thing about Julius Randle is he's actually playing good basketball right now. And uh, I think he rehabilitated his value to the point where he's at least net neutral, if not maybe a net, you know, maybe get a pick or something, whatever. Ari, I'm a thousand percent with you. Someone said it on a on a post-game show, like they need to trade Randle before the clock strikes midnight. So we're, right. I'm with you a thousand percent. Yeah. And I, listen, I, and I, I'm the guy who's been saying that in COVID and everything like that. And, like, I really just hope that this Knicks front office learns from their mistakes. Like, just learn from the mistakes. You should have traded Randall when he had that all-NBA year because you knew it was a fake fucking year, right? All the statistical data, you know, he's not a 41% three-point shooter. Like, I, you know, we knew that, dude. Like, we had fucking seven years of data before that to suggest that he wasn't. They should have traded him then, but they didn't because they were winning and – this front office and, and this this coach, when when you're winning, they're gonna really push the pedal to the metal, and then they're gonna make a premature move, and then they're gonna fuck us, and they're gonna fuck us for the next four, four four years until these contracts expire. I hope we learn from our mistakes. Trade Randall while his stock is high. Not only when you trade Randall, there's there's multiple other things from trading Randall. Like not only do you clear that cap, but it'll probably help R.J. Barrett's development because now he can be at least like get more shots and be more of the main guy. It lets Ovi Toppin really fucking play basketball. You know, you can't... Like, there's been no one on the Knicks who's had their development stunted the way Ovi Toppin has. It's, it's legitimately criminal, dude. It's fucking crazy. How do you... Like, I've played basketball my whole life up until college, dude. And I know, and anyone that's played basketball knows, you don't just come into a game for, for four-minute stretches and uh, put up good numbers. You know, it's a rhythm game. Um, the ball moves better with Ovi on the floor. So, from a salary cap perspective, from a development standpoint... And from an asset acquisition standpoint, it makes sense to trade Julius Randle. But all I hear in the fucking headlines is, oh, uh, let's get Kyle Kuzma and add $80 million to our fucking salary for a guy who's not going to move who needs 15, 20 shots a game with other four other fucking ball-dominant guys on the team. Where okay. is Deej? We need Deej in here because Deej is actively watching Kyle Kuzma Tape. Yeah. I'm like, why? <laughs> I, sm- I smoked that beach pack last night on a uh, on a Knicks take Jake's basis. So I already smoked that beach pack, but um, you know, these are my guy though, so I could say that. But listen, man, it's all about priorities, dude. It's all about priorities. If it was up to me, I would have tanked. I would tank. And listen, this is the thing. Right now, the Knicks are in contention. You can't tell them to lose games on purpose, right? This is not how tanking works. Tanking works from the top down. However, if we go into if we go into February and we lose. 17 games in a row or whatever the fuck we did last year in February. 17 out of 20. 17 out of 20. When that happens, that's when you shut down Jalen Brunson. That's when you shut down Julius Randle if he's still on the same team. That's when you give Archie Diacono and fucking whoever else is on the team, these three, all of them, you, you like quickly run point guard, you let them work through their mistakes, and you lose games. At that point, when the season is lost, then you actively tank. This is what the fucking... Blazers did with Damian Lewis. This is what the Wizards did with Beal. This is what responsible front offices do. But we can't do that because we have a fan base here that thinks building winning habits in fucking March and April is more important than increasing your draft position. And it's not about getting the first pick or the second pick or the fifth pick. It's about the floor, right? Like, you, if you're the first pick in the draft, you can't drop out of the top five, I don't think, right? So you're, That's, you're right. Yeah, so you guarantee yourself a top five pick, right? This this argument that tanking doesn't work, it doesn't because it never works for the Knicks. You're basically just fighting math, and you're not looking at it from a perspective of getting the highest pick. Because think of it this way: if we were not the twelfth pick last year, right? And let's say we were the ninth pick, after, and we decided to tank after February, we were the eighth or ninth pick. 
Then you can trade a first-round pick to move up two spots to get a Benedict Matherin. Or you can draft a shade on Chuck. You're within more of a striking distance to get that difference maker. So tanking's not about where you land necessarily. It's about the floor of where you could land and about becoming within striking distance of making a move to move up in the draft, right? And it just comes down to that. So, you know, I don't think this team can tank right now because we have Brunson on the team. If something happens in February, they should tank then. But right now, the only thing I'm concerned with is shedding salary, like like Chris said, adding assets, right, cheap assets, shedding salary, and prioritizing Obi Toppin, Manuel Quickly, RJ Grimes development, and 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 maintaining that salary cap flexibility for 2024. So that's my take, guys. Thank you for having me. Vamos Argentina. Let's go Messi. Yeah, man. A lot of lot of good stuff. I, I would say, um, you know, to what you said about about Randall, just something I can answer like directly. You know, uh, the team's been looking into moving him since since early last off season. Uh, they explored deals for him at last season's trade deadline. They didn't really like what they were offered. Um, I know yeah, Sacramento, here, Sacramento was one of the teams inter- interested. They didn't really offer too much the Kings. So the, the Knicks were, lo- were looking to get at least you know something tangible, and the Kings kind of just offered them like a bailout of the contract. The Knicks didn't really like you know the perception of that. They didn't want. They didn't think it was worth it. You know, if they're not in a rush to contend, why just? dump the deal they just signed you know maybe put some effort into building the team a little more and and then you know randall had a a poor rest of the season didn't build up his trade value the way they would have liked they spent all summer looking into trading him they were unable to find deals involving him that involved getting back actual good players or actual good players and draft picks you know without having to throw in other other players so like uh, a lot of the, the Knicks fan base is always, you know, they'll see a report that's like the Knicks would have to include a young player like quickly or top in to move this deal. And the reaction is always, oh, my God, this front office is terrible. They're really going to trade Emmanuel quickly just to get off of the Julius Randle contract that they signed themselves. Like we all need to, you know, clutch our pearls. Right. Um, but literally over the offseason, there was a team in the Western Conference that offered the Knicks uh, some veteran players, a first-round pick, in exchange for Julius Randle uh, on the condition that you know the Knicks just sprinkled in. Uh, they just threw in Emmanuel quickly. And the Knicks were like, hey, Emmanuel quickly isn't just a throw-in. We're not going to do that deal. And so you know the, the notion that because New York listens to deals, because they hear things out, that they're just going to trade away, you know, a good young player for whatever reason. If they really want to open up cap space in 2024, don't they don't want to have to extend both Toppin and quickly? Then sure, the time to trade quickly would be before he's about to enter restricted free agency. It would be this season instead of next season. But that doesn't mean that they're just going to trade him for anything or whatever uh, or a bag of chips because they think it would be smart to trade him now rather than later. If they can't get something good for him now, they're not just going to trade him for the sake of it. We always talk about how the front office really values value, but then when it comes to valuing their own pieces, everyone assumes they're just going to throw them to the wayside. Like I, I feel like they've done a decent job thus far of acknowledging their mistakes. Uh, I don't think the Burks contract was that terrible, but the other two that they traded to Detroit, pretty bad. 
Uh, you know, they're at a point now where they're just trying to continue to add talent. You know, Ari was saying if they're going to give organizational signals that tanking's not an option, then what's the best thing you can do that's closest to that uh, while you're trying to win some basketball games? Well, you can make moves along the edges and the margins to, to get draft picks, which, you know, this, or, this uh, regime has done rather. Uh, I just think that, you, you know, you want to see them at some point consolidate. Uh, you also don't want to see them rush into consolidating. So, uh, you know, patience, one thing. But the, the other thing with, for me is just uh, knowing that, you know, behind the scenes they have been trying to move Randall. They are looking into moving Fournier. Like they, they aren't interested in just keeping Randall around forever or in keeping these veterans dead money on the bench forever. Uh, they're just also not under the impression that, like, they need to move Randall yesterday or else everything's going to crash and burn. Like they're not going to trade him and a first round pick just to get back to bias Harris, just because they need to get Julius Randall off the roster. You know, that that's well, not, but there's the thing, dude, they, they, they wanted to trade Randall before they made that OB Toppin trade. But the problem is that Randall started balling out and they're like, Oh, now that he's playing well, Let's keep him, so let's not trade him. And then when he sucks, they're like, "Oh, let's trade him." But well, that was because he, he that sucked. was because he was on an expiring deal at the time. And this front office, you know, uh, as we just said, they like value a lot, right? And they figured their their calculation at the time was they're going to be able to get more for Julius Randle if he's under contract for several years than if he's an expiring. All right, so let's trade him now. Uh, and, and to be and to be fair, they I don't think. While we all saw aggression coming, I don't think we saw what that shit last year. I don't think we saw that coming. But- they're also they're also just consistent with this as a front office. They looked into trading Mitchell Robinson last season. They got some trade packages back, but it wasn't anything you know super fantastic. Considering that Robinson was about to enter unrestricted free agency, so they kept him, extended him on a deal that's declining, and you know I would I, I would assume that they would be willing to trade him, you know, as soon as this season. But, you, you know, I know they're listening to offers for him that there's not many great ones. Uh, the market isn't really fantastic for him, but that, that, that they are, they've always been, this front office has always been about years of team control. They're yes. always operating with the overarching philosophy that they will get more value in return for players with several years of team control than, than as pending free agents and trying to sign value deals uh like they have just done with Jalen Brunson um which you know he's shown on the court which they have tried to you know do with Mitchell Robinson here some other deals that maybe haven't aged as great Mitchell Robinson looking pretty great recently um want to see that consistently but like this has always been their philosophy so you know extending Randall to me was not marrying uh the organization to him long term I think it was just them calculating internally that, the, that they would be maximizing the value returned on him in any deal if he had four years remaining on his deal paid as a top 40 player as opposed to about to be getting paid as that uh, but as an unrestricted free agent you know the pending summer